I love being a part of a global family. I mean, I love all of you in this room and those of you online, but to be a part of something so much bigger than any of us, it's really a thrill. And to feel that we, each of us, can play a part, and it might be just putting a dollar in for the Great Commission Fund or praying for a missionary, an international worker overseas, or your own participation in the kingdom of God. Let me just say, howdy. <laughs> yeah, we're going there today. Um, my name's Kirk, and we've been going through 40 days of prayer together, not just as a local church, but with the Alliance, with our Alliance family, our, 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 our global Alliance family, in particular in the U.S. But after a, a break from Home Mission Sunday, how many of you enjoyed Home Mission Sunday last week? Oh, yeah. Uh, Heather and I were away on a district retreat, and so we, we missed it in the morning, and, and we, I tuned in and watched it in the afternoon, and um, Jason, thank you for, well, just convicting us all. Uh, uh, fantastic. It was just a, a, a great Sunday morning, and I'm glad that you know, most of you were able to be a part of it. Today, we're going back to our 40 Days of Prayer campaign, and I hope you've been in, enjoying this. We've got adult devotionals. We've got uh, youth devotionals. We've got children's devotionals. If you are, for some reason, not connected to all what's going on with 40 Days of Prayer, contact our office. If you're online, if you go to the notes section, there's a link there, and you can click there as well. If, if you get the focus, our FAC focus, uh, there's a, a link, and you can sign up. There's Wednesday prayer gatherings at noon, and you can watch them throughout the week. The sense of the Christian Missionary Alliance, our, our, our family, is that what we need more than anything else right now is prayer. Uh, the, the year that we just came out of with politics and protests and, oh, that little pandemic, uh, has just left all of us exhausted and lonely and depressed in, in many cases. There's fear and uncertainty, anxiety everywhere. And the best place for us to go whenever we're struggling with anything in life is to our knees. Because we serve a God who does great things. A God who is able to do exceedingly more than we can ever ask or dream or imagine. Today we're going to talk about what I like to call the E word. Uh, it's, a, it's a subject that, that makes a lot of us uncomfortable. Uh, the E word. Like, what, what could that be? Well, it's evangelism. There it is. Oh, oh can we go home now, Pastor? Oh. What comes to mind when you think of evangelism? Maybe the megaphone guy at the ballpark or going door to door selling Avon. I mean, um, asking people if they want to pray a See, I think our view of evangelism is really, it's really kind of messed up. And what I hope to do in the next uh, 75 minutes is help you, no, we're not going to. I hope that I can bring you some encouragement today. See, this word evangelical or evangelism, it's one of those churchy words. But actually, there's a whole lot more than maybe the image you have of evangelism that I want to talk about today. There's a, uh, evangelism is very simply this. It's proclaiming good news. It's proclaiming good news. 
there's someone in Michigan right now that's proclaiming good news, or maybe they're not because they don't want to get bombarded by people wanting a, a share of their billion-dollar winnings in the lottery. When your team wins, you share good news. When something good happens, it's just a natural part of the human condition that when something great happens, we want to share it. In fact, I've often thought, if I could have a billion dollars, but I couldn't tell anybody about it, would I really want it? If something really great could happen in my life, but there was a condition that I couldn't tell anyone, I'm not sure that I would necessarily take it. Evangelism is sharing and proclaiming good news. Many years ago, Guy Kawasaki was hired by Apple Computer to be the Apple evangelist. That was literally his title on his, on his business card. He was an Apple evangelist, and his whole job was to tell people how great Apple computers are. He was a, an enthusiastic promoter of all things Apple, and he, in his mind, and I guess mine too, believed that Apple products could enrich people's lives. Hey, this could help you. Now, I'm sure there were some Windows fans that maybe were a little resistant to his his uh, conversations. But I thought, how interesting that his title, this is a few years ago, would be Apple Evangelist. He shared good news about the things that he loves. Evangelism is proclaiming good news. Have you ever experienced good news? Have you experienced the gospel? Have you experienced Jesus Christ? Because if you have, you've experienced the greatest news you're going to ever have. It's better than anything you'll see on CNN or Fox or Newsmax or whatever channel you watch is better than anything you're going to see in the blade or here on the radio. Jesus is Lord. And, and the ramifications of that, the implications of that for peace and hope and meaning and purpose and joy are astonishing. And that's why we're here. Why wouldn't you be a Jesus evangelist proclaiming good news to those around you? We're going to talk a little bit about that, but first let's pray. Lord, I thank you that we have good news. That, that we have the news that, Jesus, you are Lord, you are King. You are above every president, every CEO, every scientist. You rule and reign. And Lord, we just, we admit that sometimes our faith is, well, we're in a dilemma because we read these things and we know these things about you, and yet we look at our world and we ask, Lord, why don't you intervene? Why don't you do something? And so often, Lord, I believe that you're asking the same thing of us. Why don't we get involved? Why don't we serve? Why don't we love? Why don't we do something? So as we engage in this dance with you, this, this relationship with you, Lord, we are so honored, so grateful that you would choose lowly groups of dust like us to be called your sons and daughters. May our love for you, our adoration, our awe and wonder prompt us to share good news. In Jesus' name, amen. Our text today is from the book of Colossians chapter 4, and if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to grab it. We'll have some texts on the screen for you. But Paul, who used to be known as Saul before he had this incredible encounter with Jesus, 
Paul's writing a letter to a church in Colossae, a group maybe not terribly unlike us. It's in modern-day Turkey. And verse, chapter 4, verse 2, he says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. I mean, what a fitting verse in the middle of 40 days of prayer. Devote yourselves. He doesn't say, hey, pray, occasionally pray. He says, devote yourselves. Are you devoted to prayer? If someone watched your life, would they say, that person is devoted to prayer? I mean, we're devoted to a lot of things. Recreation and pleasure, and maybe we're devoted to our, our work or our jobs, maybe to our family and kids, grandkids. Can it be said of you that you are devoted to prayer? In another letter, Paul wrote this. He said, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Pray continually. Some verses say, pray without ceasing. Now that doesn't mean that we have to close our eyes and fold our hands and you know, kneel 24 hours a day. But what it does mean is that we can do life with God. See, I used to think that prayer was talking to God. In fact, I remember being at an at a event in town and someone said, prayer is talking to God. And I was like, it's a little more than that. See, because you can talk to a tree. Well, that's not going to do a whole lot of good. Maybe it helps the, the tree grow. Uh, aren't you supposed to talk to plants and they like the carbon dioxide or something? But it's more than talking to God. It's, it's really... I used to think then it was talking with God. It's a conversation. That we talk to God and he talks to us. He speaks through his word, the Bible. He speaks through the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he speaks through circumstances and other things. But really, prayer is, is doing life with God. See, I do life with my wife. And I talk to her, and she talks to me. And sometimes we're in the same room, and sometimes we're in different rooms. But even when I'm not physically with her, I'm doing life with her. And sometimes the silence between us would be interrupted with a text or a phone call or a FaceTime if we're apart, and then we come back together and we have dinner together, we talk. I do life with my wife. I, I can't even say, well, I talk to Heather. I mean, that would just seem so... And I could say, well, Heather and I had a good conversation. I'm like, well, that's, that's better. But it's another thing to say, I do life with my wife. We do life together. And I love that. That's this idea of praying continually, that we're doing life with God, not just an hour on Sunday, and not just, oh yeah, we'll say a quick prayer before we pray, or before we eat, so we don't you know, choke on our food. No, doing life with God. Praying continually, giving thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I don't know how many times people say, how do I know God's will? Pastor, I'm trying to figure out God's will for me. Like, should I do this? And, and I, I don't know what God's will is. As if it's sometimes this mysterious thing, and there's just this one, there's one thing, and, you know, what color sock should I wear today? What's God's will for my sock drawer today? Now, first of all, I don't think God's all that concerned about some of those things. So take a, take a little chill on that. But I can tell you what God's will is. It's to rejoice always. It's to pray continually, to do life with Jesus, to give thanks in all circumstances. Maybe not for all circumstances. I mean, it's really hard to give thanks for some of the stuff that we experience in life. 
but in the midst of it, that God is at work. He is, has a, a plan and that we can participate in his work on earth, that we can do life with him, knowing that even our, our, our struggles and our troubles and our trials have a purpose. He can be trusted. So back to Colossians. Paul says, pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Now this would be like a really, it's a really beautiful verse until you get to that last clause. So okay, Paul's writing to this church. Okay, he's writing to church. Pray for us that God may open a door for our message so we may proclaim, proclaim, right? Proclaim the mystery of Christ. Proclaim good news. Evangelism is proclaiming good news for which I am in chains. Now think about this for a second. First of all, where is Paul? He's in prison. That's the chains he's talking about. It's not like a little necklace, you know. Uh, or, no, he's in chains. He's in prison. And he says exactly why he's in prison. He's in prison for proclaiming good news. And what does he say here? He says, pray for us that we may Proclaim Jesus more. Wait, Paul, Paul, do you, do you really want to do that? I mean, the last time you did that, you got in prison. Paul is so passionate for Jesus. How can I keep from singing? He, he, he's like out of his skin. He's so excited about who Jesus is. He wants everyone in the whole world to know about Jesus. And whether that puts him in chains, whether that gets him killed, he doesn't really care. He can't contain himself. He is so in love with Jesus. And so he's telling the church, he's saying, pray for, pray for us that we could keep doing this, that we wouldn't get weary, that we wouldn't become discouraged, that we would be faithful in the call that God has. Have you asked someone ever ask someone say hey would you pray for me so that i can share good news with other people see the problem with evangelism is people have turned it into this sales gimmick thing like okay here's a strategy and you say these words and and you get you have to close the sale and if they don't then you're a failure no 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 first of all we start with prayer lord Lord, would you show me what you're, what you're doing? Would you, would you bring me into a conversation with somebody? Jason Horton last week, he delivered a powerful message on evangelism, on sharing good news. And it doesn't have to be this scary thing. I mean, it got Paul in prison. <laughs> I don't think it's going to get you and I in prison, at least in our modern day. And I know people are like, oh, just wait, just wait. Oh, these are, you know, we're going to all go to jail for having church and stuff. I mean, Anything can happen. I'm not a predictor of the future. All I'm saying, family, is we have a lot of religious freedoms right now, way more than we take advantage of. I don't think there's anyone in the United States of America that can invite people into a relationship with Jesus and face the kind of persecution that Paul did, and certainly the, the type of persecution that our brothers and sisters in North Korea and other parts of the world we have so much freedom. We don't take advantage of the freedom that we have. So why are we so worried about losing it? 
Let's focus on taking advantage and using what we have. We're so, so blessed in this country. I worked a sales job when I was in college. I sold uh, carpet and tile and, and uh, window treatments, window coverings. And being a college student, I'd never owned a home before. I didn't really know a whole lot about home improvements. And while it was a job that I generally enjoyed and I learned a lot, I wasn't terribly successful at it. In fact, I was on straight commission. Have any of you, any of you worked a job with straight commission? Okay. Um, it can be really good or really bad. In my case, there were so many weeks, there were several weeks, I wouldn't say so many, but there were several weeks where at the end of the week, my boss looked at my sales and my commissions and realized I didn't even earn enough money to make minimum wage, which was $3.35 at the time. You got to be a pretty bad salesperson if you can't earn $3.35 an hour. Fortunately, God had other, other plans for my career. We often think about evangelism as, as a sales presentation, and we have to get the other person to, to say yes. It's not sales. There's no manipulation. There's no pressure. There's no shame. Evangelism is an invitation. That's all it is. It's just an invitation. Have you ever invited someone to a party and they didn't show up? I mean, we've probably all had that experience at one time or another. And depending on the situation, maybe you were disappointed or, or maybe you thought, wow, that's one less thank you note I have to write later. Or there are other people that were there. It's an invitation. Whenever we invite people, there's always a chance that someone's going to say no for whatever reason, and there's always a good chance that they're going to say yes to a party to a, a wedding, to, to any, any number of things. But I've never, I don't know about you, I've never thought of like an invitation as a sales thing where I had to get them, coerce them, and manipulate them to do something. And it seems like that's the way we've often talked about evangelism. Like if you just get them to pray the prayer, and if not, you are a failure. What if we just said evangelism is an invitation? Hey, I'd like to invite you to a party. It's going to be like an eternal party. It's going to last forever and ever, and it's going to be amazing. But even more than that, inviting you into a relationship, an opportunity to know your creator. Do you have any interest at all in experiencing peace? I think there's some people in our, in our world right now that could use a little peace. How about you? Hey, would you, like, would you like to experience more love in your life? How about this? Purpose, meaning. See, evangelism, it's an invitation where it's a privilege for us to invite people to know our best friend. Now, this might be a stretch, but although I rarely drink pop anymore, I love Verner's. Any, any Verner's lovers in the house? Okay. Good, it's nice, nice to see. I, I love it when people come from out of town and they've never had burners before. And I love to, to get them a nice glass and, you know, fill it up and just watch them take the first sip of burners. Because you all know what happens with burners, right? The bubbles go up and <coughs> it's an experience. It's more than just something that tastes. Burners is an experience. And I love, I love introducing people to burners. 
And they may like it, they may not like it. That's sort of beside the point. By the way, if you heat it in the microwave, hot Verner's is really good, and it's even more bubbly. I mean, it'll just, it'll blow your face off. But it's just kind of a fun thing for me because I, I love Verner's and I want other people to experience it again. Some say yes, some say no. They love it, some people hate it. But I don't take it personally. I'm just like, hey, you either have good taste or you don't. We're inviting people into a relationship with God. And by the way, if you've ever had a spiritual conversation, and one of my favorite ways to start these conversations is just to say, where are you at on your spiritual journey? Most people today aren't religious. They don't want anything to do with organized religion. Can you blame them? But I think the human heart is set that, that there's an interest in, in God. There's an interest in a higher power. There's an interest in, in something. There's a recognition. Most people believe in God. So does Satan, by the way, so that doesn't really give them too many brownie points. But there's an openness. For many, it's a curiosity, but they want to know, what can it do for me? What can God do for me? I mean, starting from a consumeristic thing, that's not where we want to stay. It's not, what can God, you know, what's God done for me lately? But there's a God-shaped hole in all of us. It talks about in Ecclesiastes. There's a desire, there's a hunger for something more. I love to just ask people, where are you at in your spiritual journey? Because everybody's so spiritual these days. And then just listen. So often we do all the talking. I think if we ask more questions and, and listen to people, we might find greater connections. Evangelism, it's, it's an invitation. By the way, I'm amazed at, at people who say they don't believe the Bible, and I ask them, have you ever read it? And they say no. Come on. Paul says, pray for us that we may proclaim good news, that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Tragically, many people haven't rejected Jesus because they've never even heard his name. We'll talk more about that in the next couple weeks. But what I want you to understand is that evangelism, it's an invitation to a relationship, to a person, to a lifestyle of abundance, to a party that's going to last for eternity. Honestly, I don't understand how anybody can reject the love of Christ. I mean, I, I, I can't for the life of me understand. It's, grace is so amazing. It's the best deal in town. No other religion has it. No other institution has it. To think that, that God loves us so much that if we just follow him, he'll forgive us our sins. He'll give us, never mind heaven in the future, he'll, he'll give us heaven now. Heaven is where God is, that we can experience a, that relationship and do life with God. I, I don't even know how people get up in the morning without Christ. I have a hard enough time with Jesus in my life. Evangelism is, is an invitation, but there are spiritual forces at work. There is an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy, who wants to blind the eyes of unbelievers, who wants to keep us and everyone in the world away from Christ. You can follow God or you can follow yourself but not both. No man can serve two masters. And that's usually what gets people from following Christ, is they're too busy following themselves. They want to do it their way. How's that working out for you? We need to pray for open doors, family. Pray for open doors. Evangelism is not a sales thing. It's not, you know, we get brownie points, and it's how we, it's just, sharing good news and, and it begins by praying that god would do a work in the human heart 
that they would surrender their life to Christ, that they would have an interest in following someone other than their own desires. We sometimes call this open hearts. I was with a group of friends this past week, and I said, what keeps you from proclaiming good news, for sharing good news, for, for evangelizing? And, and the first thing they said was failure. What, what, if we, what if we don't do it right? Is there a right way to invite someone to a relationship, to introduce someone to a friend? They say, oh, but, but like, what, if, what if my friend asks a question and I don't know the answer? Okay, take notes, family. If you're sharing good news with someone and they ask a question and you don't know the answer, I don't know. That's a good question. Let me get back to you. That's it. You don't need a seminary degree. You don't need a PhD. Here's the thing. You have a story. We all have a story. I hope we all have a story. What's your story? No one can argue with your story. No one can debate your story. You don't have to prove your story. Your story's your story. I once was blind and now I see. Once was lost, but now I'm found. What's your story? Do you have a story to share? I have stories. You have stories. What if I invite someone into a personal relationship and they say no? Jesus says, move on. It's okay. Don't make him a project. If, 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 someone, if someone doesn't want good news, then move on. Mark, or Matthew 10, 14. Jesus talks about shaking the dust. You don't have to shake the dust, not literally, but like, just move on. There are people in our world that are, are seeking answers, and there are people that are just too busy. So pray for open doors. Pray for open hearts. Pray for your coworkers, your neighbors, your family members, your friends. Pray for opportunities to share the love of Jesus. But don't take it personally if someone says no. They've rejected Jesus, not you. Paul says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. He says, pray for clarity. Pray for the right words. Have you ever tried to communicate an idea to someone and they just didn't get it? This happens to me every Sunday about this time. Hopefully not. Maybe you're in sales and the potential customer had no interest. Maybe you were trying to communicate a, a really sophisticated concept and, and the other person just wasn't able to, to figure it out. Maybe, like me, you process out loud and you use too many words and you say, just get to the point. Paul says, pray for clarity. Just get to the point, be clear. Paul's very specific. He's saying that I'm in prison for sharing good news. I want to reach more people. And I want the message to be clear. It's more than just information. It's a life-transforming announcement that Jesus is Lord. Not Caesar, not money, not your own feelings, not your pleasures. It's a polarizing message that draws people either to God or away from God. 2,000 years later, people are proclaiming good news. We often think we've got it rough in this country, but I think about... Again, our brothers and sisters in other lands, some in prison right now, in chains just like Paul for proclaiming good news, for saying, I believe in Jesus, that Jesus is Lord. 
like I said, perhaps there's nothing you can do more important than share your story. If you don't have a story, you have nothing to proclaim, I'd love to talk to you about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. That's the story. That's what we're talking about. It's his story. History is his story. What he's doing in my life, in your life. He loves you. He proved it by dying on the cross and rising from the dead. He offers forgiveness for sins, past, present, and future. He's the ultimate example of what it means to be human, and he's inviting you to a life-transforming relationship with you. And, and my guess is, although a lot of you have been attending church and, and that sort of thing, it's amazing how many people go to church, but they don't have a relationship with Jesus. They don't know Jesus. We're here to introduce you. Help you know there's more than just religion. It's more than just believing a bunch of words on a page. It's about doing life with Christ. It's about spending time in prayer, just being real and honest with God and, and then reading his word and listening to what he may have to say and being attentive to his still small voice, the Holy Spirit that might be nudging you. Hey, why don't you ask that guy about their spiritual journey? Why don't you ask them, hey, how are you, how are you making it through this pandemic? seeking opportunities to maybe share your story. Here's my story. I grew up in a religious home. I was taught to do all the right things, and I generally tried to do the right things. I believed in God, and I went to church every Sunday and Sunday night and Wednesday night. I didn't have a choice. That's just the way it went. I knew all the right things. I could answer any biblical quiz but I didn't know Christ. I didn't have a relationship with Christ. And it wasn't until I was in high school and I encountered a group of students that were my age. I thought the whole Bible, God, Jesus, prayer thing, you know, that's something that you do when you're, I don't know, maybe ancient, like, I don't know, 51 years old. I guess I'm ancient. And then I, I met some peers my own age and they were they were like so excited about Jesus and they told me about, oh yeah, we have these prayer meetings and people are healed and we read the Bible, we study the Bible together and, and, and we, like, we, just, we know Jesus. And I thought, I know all about Jesus, but I don't know, I don't, I don't really know Jesus. And it was like so obvious to me. Like I just didn't have an imagination. I didn't have a vision for a relationship with Christ at my age because again, I had never seen any teenagers that were really passionate about Jesus. And so I went home, and I started reading the Bible, and I started praying, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like, God is real. And, and it's more than an hour on Sunday. It's doing life with God. And it was such a thrill for me to experience the difference between knowing about God and knowing God. That's my prayer for all of you, those online, those here in the sanctuary. That you would know Christ. That you would know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. That you would do life with him. And you would know that he's doing life with you no matter what struggle you're going through, no matter what joys you're having, no matter what good days and bad days you have. To know that you're not alone, that you are so loved by your creator God. And he loves the sound of your voice and he loves it when you study his word. He loves it when you get to know him. This is not about religion, family. This is all about a relationship with Christ. It's about what he's done. And I love Jesus. And I'd love to invite anyone in the whole world to follow Jesus. 
Paul continues on, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Actions speak loud in the words, and sometimes the messenger is the problem with the message. Sometimes we get in the way. I, I've shared this story. I went to a conference years ago, a, a seminary, and, and this guy said, the greatest obstacle to people coming to know Jesus is the church. I want to pick up a chair and throw it at the guy, except I knew he was right. See, we need to be wise in how we act, how we treat people, how we love. Because if you love well, your life is going to be attractive. People are going to be want, to want to be with you. And at some point, they may even ask you the reason for the hope that you have. But if you're an arrogant, self-righteous, judgmental person, people will tune you out. Like I used to tune out cigarette commercials. I remember it's like reading through magazines like cigarette. I don't do cigarette. I may mean, I just turn the page. People say, oh, I have want nothing to do with that. I want nothing to do with that. Family, right now, we have work to do because we're not known for our love. We're not known for our kindness, our generosity, our lives reputation-wise. I'm not saying you individually, but as a whole, Christians in America right now are not known for their love, and that should be the number one thing that we're known for. We need to be wise, make the most of every opportunity, live lives that look like Jesus. Jesus is our message, but if our lives are not attractive, nobody will want to hear. We need to pray for the right actions. We need to pray that our actions would speak, well, we know actions speak louder than words. We need to pray that our actions, that our lives would back up what we have to say. They would prove it. You know, for probably ever, people say, oh, Christians are all hypocrites. We're not perfect. By the way, you're not perfect and I'm not perfect. We know that. So let's be generous with our apologies. Let's be generous with saying, I was wrong, sorry, I screwed up. That didn't look like Jesus, I know it. I want to try again. Instead of covering it up. I, I try to cover stuff up all the time. Like, oh, yeah, you didn't see that. You didn't see that mistake. Yeah, people see it. I was wrong, I screwed up, sorry. Wow, really, you apologize? Most people don't apologize, they just... See, even our actions, when we screw up, can bring glory to God, can draw people closer to God, can express love and concern for the other person. Peter wrote this, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits. Peter's saying, family, we need to be the most loving people. We need to live good lives. And we can only live good lives if the Holy Spirit is alive in us, if the fruit of love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control is emerging in our lives. That's the only way. It's not try harder. It's surrender more fully. We are to be in the world, but not of the world. Proclaim good news. Evangelize. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. In other words, love people so well that they ask questions. Faith is expressed in actions and words. You know, a, a, a lot of people, again, they're, they're concerned about, what if I don't know the right answers? Well, pray. Pray for the right answers. It's that simple. Pray that God would give you 
Wow, that's a great question. And again, if you don't know, say, I don't know, but I'll get back with you. But don't let it shut off the valve of sharing good news just because you don't have the answers to everything. Nobody does. By the way, there's great answers for every question about faith. There's mystery to God. But I've yet to hear a question where I thought, wow, um, I, guess, I guess my faith is stupid. I guess, <laughs> you got me on that? I guess God doesn't exist. You disproved him. Pray for the right answers. Most people aren't going to respond to an invitation with philosophical arguments or demand for archaeological evidence anyhow. But there's good answers if you need them. Now, I just want to share a confession. This thing of evangelism, I'm not all that great at it. And it's not that I'm afraid of doing it. It's not even that, that I'm afraid of not having answers. It's just, I work in a church. It's an occupational hazard to do evangelism. Most of the people that I come in contact with, my sphere of influence are mostly Christians. And I just want to publicly say, I want to change that. Not because I want to seek out projects, it's because I want to love well. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And they say, statistically speaking, the longer you've known Christ, the fewer non-Christian friends you have. I can make up all kinds of excuses, but the reality is, I don't have a lot of non-Christian friends in my life. And I'm going to ask you just to pray that I would get more non-Christian friends in my life so I'd have more opportunities to share good news. Some of you have lots of non-Christian friends. Maybe we should get together. I'm serious. Maybe we should get together, have some conversations. Again, there's, this is not about pressure, force, manipulation. It's just an invitation. We're going to close with a song as the band comes up. But before, before we do, I just want to say to you, God is on the move. Jesus is the answer for the world today. And many are seeking answers. If we don't offer Jesus, they're going to stumble into a number of false gods and philosophies and religions and all sorts of things Maybe they're just going to follow the most common paths of consumerism and narcissism and individualism. Pray for open doors. Pray for clarity. Pray that the Holy Spirit would fill you with fruit and, and live an attractive life with God-honoring actions. And pray for the right words in your conversations. We need actions and words. Some of you know the, the, the quote, well, preach the gospel if necessary, use words. Words are necessary. We need both. When we are weak, he is so strong, and it all begins Just the on word evangelism can make some of us nervous. We remember being pressured into sharing our faith or maybe awkward conversations with strangers. Maybe we're nervous about being those people who are trying to be coercive or uh, trying to accomplish a task. But evangelism, in simple terms, is simply an extension of the life and love that we have received from God to others to invite them into the family that we have been invited into ourselves. Evangelism isn't just about winning arguments. It's about loving people. 
And while a conviction of sin needs to happen, and many times we are in long conversations with people about why Jesus is the one and why he's the savior, normally that doesn't happen in the first three minutes. It's cultivated out of a life of hospitality where we invite other people into our space, but we're also willing to be invited into other people's lives. Sometimes that's even the harder ask. This month we've been talking about prayer, and that's where this all starts, because even caring about other people who don't know Jesus, or even more, being willing to share our faith, doesn't come naturally, and it's not even logical. It comes from a transformed heart, but God loves to answer that prayer. So when we ask God to help us see others, those that we come in contact with regularly, or even those around the world that we'll never see, He changes our hearts, and also gives us courage to step into their space, even sometimes gives us words to say to people that we're like, where did that come from? So my encouragement to you is that you would be expectant, that God would give you people to talk to and a heart for them, for all of those that you come in contact with regularly and for those who you've not yet met.